Take your Bible and turn with me to uh, John chapter 5. We'll be there in a moment. John chapter 5. This morning we're going to conclude our series, Red Letter Questions. Being transformed by the questions that Jesus asked. All throughout Scripture we see Jesus, when he was teaching, he would give commands and he would teach precepts and principles. And, and there is great strength in that and we need that. But often Jesus would use questions to elicit a response or participation from the crowd. He would ask a question, and it would force them to engage in that question. And we've been looking at some of the questions that Jesus asks in the New Testament, and our heart is to be transformed by these questions that Jesus has asked. Today, I want us to look just at one key verse this morning. I want us to look at one verse that Jesus asked, and before we look at the scripture and we see this verse, I want us to know that when we get the question right, we have a better chance of getting the right answer. And Jesus' question no doubt is right, it's very poignant, it's very purposeful, and I think could lead us to a very, very helpful answer this morning. You see, this question that we're about to read, it unveil, unveils the reason why so many Christians are powerless. Have you ever felt that you don't have much power in your walk? I think it reveals the reason why so many Christians wrestle with doubt and disbelief. I think for sure it tells us why so many Christians let doubt run rampant in our mind and, and we lack true victory. I think the, this question leads us to the answer why a watching world is looking at the church and they are underwhelmed. They're not impressed with who we are or what we say. Jesus' question has a very important implication and answer for us. Look with me at John chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 36 through 44, and I want you to follow along with me. The setting here is Jesus has been in an awkward situation with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He was healing, and he had the audacity to heal on the Sabbath. They didn't like this, and it was just one too many things when he began to refer to himself as the Son of God, as God. And Jesus is now giving testimony to his credibility. Verse 36, I have testimony weightier than that of John for the very work that the Father has given me to finish, and which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you, Jesus says. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. Now here's the key verse. Look at verse 44. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? I like how the NSB translates this. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, 
And you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God. The New Living Translation puts it this way. No wonder you can't believe. For you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one alone who is God. Why were these Jewish leaders prepared to refuse Jesus as the Messiah but accept anybody else? Scripture plainly is telling us here that it's because they accepted honor from one another, being so self-absorbed to the fulfillment of their religious duties that they had no room for God's glory or praise from God. Having turned blind spiritually, they had lost the ability to perceive God's work in their midst. See, the core of their unbelief, Jesus is saying, had to do with the fact that they gathered up so much praise from one another, there was no room in their life for anything from God. This led to their blockage of faith in him. You could not believe in me, he says. No wonder you can't believe. You're so excited about what people say about you. No wonder you can't see who I am and the glory that I have. This morning, I want us to look at this question And begin to see what God may have for us today. What is Jesus implying in this question? He's implying, I believe, that it's an act of the will. This is not an accident. This isn't something that happened just by chance. In fact, Jesus is saying, you have chosen to accept praise from other men and other women. You have chosen to seek this, and you do not have any room left for what I want to do for you. It's not something that you just inherited. It's not something you can blame on someone else. This is a conscious choice. He also implies something even deeper. He implies their unbelief is tied up in how much they think about themselves. And it goes another step farther, and and Jesus' teaching is coming together saying, you can't serve me if you don't believe in me. No wonder you don't believe because you're so excited about what other people say about you. The implications are huge. The problem that this question reveals is a big one. Well, how do we know if this question is directed at us? How do we know if Jesus is asking you today this question? How can you believe? No wonder you can't believe because you accept the praise of everybody around you and you have no room left for the praise and the glory of the one true God. You don't have an outline in front of you today because we're going to go a little bit faster than normal. That's relative if you're new. I can say anything but nothing short. If you wondered if we're on time, we're perfectly on time. It's unbelievable how on time we are. But in the remainder few moments, I want you to listen in and see if God possibly is directing this question at you or at me. Here's one way we can know that this question is for us. When we think more about other people's opinion rather than God's opinion, this question is directed at us. It often starts with a thought that's left unchecked, and and we begin to become preoccupied about what one person would think about me, and and that turns into a pattern of thinking. And some of this is is human nature, but when it becomes to take over my mind of, of how they will think about me, when I'm more concerned about others' opinion of me than God's opinion of me, this question is directed at me. How can you believe? See, we tend to think that these are thoughts that we have in our head, and no one can see it, and there's no evidence But this comes to the surface, and this is a problem. 
See, we commit huge amounts of energy to this. I think there's three categories we do this. Some of us are excavators. We spend all of our time digging up stuff from the past to see how people think about us. We waste so much energy trying to recreate scenarios that are gone for months and years and decades, and there's no way you can get back what someone has stolen from you, what they should have said, what they shouldn't have said, what they should have noticed, what they didn't notice. Somebody overlooked you. Somebody hurt you. And I'm not trying to make light of that. But I'm asking, is your commitment to somebody else's opinion from the past more important to you than what God thinks about you now? Some of us aren't excavators. We are we're checkers. We spend every waking moment just trying to make sure that everybody's okay. Bruce, are you doing okay? We're, 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 we have a little bit uh, extra time today. I, I have water. Did you need some water today? Okay, I didn't spit it or anything. All right, it's good. Are you okay? Are you doing all right today? Good? Good. Did you want some water? No? <laughs> yeah, we can spend all of our time trying to make sure. Did you want some? No, okay. Make sure everybody's okay, that we can't even, I'm not going to share this, no. We, we, we can't even get to what it is we are supposed to be doing or called to be doing because we check on everybody else. Well, what do you think of me? Well, what do you think of this? And we become a checker, and Jesus says, why do you care more about their opinion than my opinion? If that's you, this question is, has huge significance for you today. Others of us, we, we use great intellect, and we're not excavators, we're not checkers, we're forerunners. In the recesses of our mind, we leap ahead in conversations. We leap ahead in even decades, and we begin to think, what will they think of me when? How will they respond if this happens? Things that have never even come to pass. We spend so much energy trying to gain the approval of somebody else. How do we know if this question is for us? If our action, our behavior, is caught up in what people want us to do more than what God wants us to do. We become handcuffed to what they want us to do. Not just what we think, but what we do. What would happen if you would do things at the office more concerned about what God would think than anybody else would think? What would happen at home if you would do things at home and have a pattern of discipline to, approve, to get God's approval, not your kid's approval, not somebody else's approval? What would it look like if our behaviors and actions were more concerned about what God thought than somebody else? I think a a final way we could see is when we place our value in the applause of other people. It's one thing to be thinking about it. It's one thing to have our actions determined by what other people think. But it's another thing to have my very worth. I've met some people that their entire identity, their self-worth, can ride on if one person acknowledges them or not. Their whole worth can ride on what one person says about them or five people say about them. God says your value cannot be based in what somebody else thinks. How can you believe when you're more concerned about accepting praise from one another instead of accepting the glory or the praise that comes from the one true God? Well, what's the big deal? As we close this morning, I think this is a huge deal. Because I believe that there's some of us in this room that we love God. I'm not saying that you're a horrible person. You have known the scriptures. But even the Pharisees, they, they thought that their salvation was in the scriptures. And they missed the very God who was in their presence that the scripture was talking about. Well, how, Brady, how do I miss God? When I get so preoccupied with 
my own agenda, my own opinion, others' opinion of me that I don't have any room to seek the approval, the praise, the glory from the one true God. Somebody here today, there's freedom knocking at your door. God is calling you to finally let go of the opinions that you seek from others. I'm not saying that we shouldn't care at all about what other people think. We shouldn't have any compassion that we should walk around just brashly rude. That's not what I'm trying to say. But the enemy has gotten us so far on the other side that we are handcuffed and we miss the very God in our presence. I think for some of us there's a wake-up call. At least the original language makes us think that it's not just seeking, but it's also accepting. Some of us, we don't spend all of our time going out and trying to conjure it up, but I mean, they, they noticed me, so what am I to do but to revel in that? I just can't help being as good as I am. I, you know, I, I kind of impress myself. And we just begin to accept the praise that people give to us and the danger that the enemy is putting out in front of us if we can get so preoccupied about what man, me, you, someone else thinks about us, we can miss the real important thing about what God has for us. It can lead to disbelief. It can lead to us not having his power in our life. I want to close with this. What are we able to do? We need to cease... Striving for the opinion of other people. Some of us today, we just need to ask God to help us to stop it. Well, they may say something about me. Let me tell you what, they will say something about you. I love what Abraham Lincoln said. When people say things about you that are not true, just live in such a way that nobody will believe it. Why do we have to let the agenda of somebody else determine how I think? We need to cease taking our cues of how we act off of what people around us want to do or want us to do and taking it from God. And I believe when we get to the place where we say, God, I want to seek you more than the person around me, we are ready for an outpouring of his spirit. In a moment, we're going to pray. We've experienced a lot of good things together today. We've experienced His presence in worship. We celebrated these life stages, and next week we're going to do that again in Graduation Sunday. Our kids led us in worship. But all of this is meaningless if we don't see the glory, the praise that comes from the one true God. We can be about church. We can be about good stuff. We can have all kinds of things around us. But if we don't break free from it, in a moment I'm going to pray. Our time is done, but but I'm not through. So we'll be back here another week, I think, sometime in the future. I I, want to leave you, half of me wants to leave you with a nice upward thought so you can smile the rest of your day. But I love you too much to not tell you what I think God wants us to hear today. I think God wants to take some of us and smack us in the back of the neck and say, do you care about me or what people think you think about me? God's not mad at you today. 
He's just sick and tired of you believing the lies of other people about you. God, when he wants to speak to you, he wants to give praise to you and talk to you. It's not just always correction. He may want to look you in the eyes and say, I am thrilled with who I made in you. If I was to create you again, I would do it exactly the way I did it the first time. I love you. I knit you together in your mother's room, and you are beautiful in my eyes. They're a little bit more beautiful than you, but I think he still loves you. God wants our attention. We cannot allow our focus to be on people's opinion more than him. Father, thank you for this time this morning that we could press into your presence. I thank you for the divine appointment that you set up for us today. I pray that we will be transformed by your questions. We have a choice to make. We can respond in faith. Or we could respond like the Pharisees and not get it and allow doubt to continue to run in our mind. Lord, I pray today that you will break the back of the enemy's hold on our addiction to other people's approval instead of yours alone. It's in your powerful son's name we pray. Amen. Your assignment today when you take off. Sometime today I challenge you to take 30 minutes and just ask God, seek him what he wants you to do. Don't think about anybody else's approval or opinion. You may do it at 1230 at night. You may do it before lunch. You may do it later this afternoon. But I challenge you to take some time and ask God his opinion, his thoughts in your life. God bless you. See you tonight at 6 o'clock as we walk through the fourth commandment together. Have a blessed day.